The following message is from Temple Bible Church. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit www.templebiblechurch.org. I'm Danny. I'm one of the pastors here and uh, elder here as well. And uh, those of you who are visiting, welcome, welcome. We hope you find friends. We hope you find Jesus here and the love of Christ in our community. Uh, we are traveling through as a, as a family uh, difficult days. These last several days have been difficult. We lost a dear, dear friend and our, and our shepherd uh, here to a battle of the cancer. And we continue to journey through that. And I, uh, Bev and the family wanted you to know that they continue to be blessed by your prayers and their support and their love. And we thank you for that as we go through these days. Uh, even this week uh, when Erez was able to visit with Bev, we were reminded of uh, Gary wanting so much to be here today, especially because his good friend was going to be here when he was in the hospital. Uh, uh, before the pain got so severe, he had plans to uh, be prepared. He, he, we were up there and, he's, and we reminded him that Erez was coming. He goes, yes, I must be prepared for that. And so he, he dearly wanted to be here and... Uh, we're, we're going to try to honor that wish today as you get to meet one of his dear friends here in a minute. Um, we do want to recognize grandparents. And uh, so uh, since they gave me the microphone, you get to meet... <laughs> you get to meet the two best grandbabies there ever were. So, so far, yeah, <laughs> hopefully. And this is Ben and Parker, and you can see that we love them very much. They are dear to our hearts, but m more so we wanted to once again express our gratitude for all of you that are grandparents and that we're remembering today that w we, c we are carrying on, we're still pressing on, and we're going to talk about legacy today and how, how we as grandparents might be able to demonstrate the love of Jesus Christ to the generation and the generations to come, how God might give us strength to do that. And uh, as, as Sandy and I pray together, we know that we join together, that our grandkids would come to know Jesus at an early age, and then once they know Jesus, they would grow strong in him and strong and, and continue the legacy, the story of Jesus Christ, the great redeeming love and the plan of God that can be found through our Savior. So thank you, grandparents, and we don't do this for everybody. You must be special. We have cookies for you out there, if you haven't already noticed. If you're not a grandparent, stay away from the cookies. <laughs> now, if you bring your grandchild up there, okay, they can have a cookie. Also, they have frames there to, if your grandkids are with you, y'all take a picture with your uh, grandkids so you can remember this day and celebrate together. So once again, we're grateful for you as grandparents, and we're thankful for the folks that are uh, serving us today through that celebration. Also, one more quick reminder, today after this service, there'll be a meeting over in the Creek, uh, Creekside building where if you're not uh, part of a small group, if you're not part of a home group here, which are extremely important for us as a body as we get together, and this is where we love one another, this is where we take care of one another, and our home groups, and if you're not part of that ministry, we're inviting you please go over there, take a little time and maybe meet some small group leaders, hear what that's all about, and even find a group to get connected with throughout the week so that we can continue to be together praising God and serving one another in love as his people. So those are our announcements. So, uh, oh, one other thing. Something happened last night. And uh, so, you know, uh, Gary is a big LSU fan. And I am not. You can tell by uh, my grandson that we are kind of uh, indoctrinated in the Longhorns. So something happened last night, and I just want to acknowledge it. The Astros won, and it was a great game. 
Oh, y'all thought yeah, I was talking about something else. No. So I'm gonna. Okay, you were right. All right. So just stop. You know, I, who watched the game? Anybody here watch the game? Just on behalf of Gary. Okay. Now listen. Our running back was wide open in the end zone. Yeah. Wide open. I mean, all we knew is one more touchdown. And there's no one around, and the ball gets him. He, this, this running back, by the way, has caught 30 passes and never dropped a one. And he's wide open in the end zone, and the ball comes to his hand and somehow goes like this, you know? Now, I don't know what happened there. Anyway. That's really bad theology, okay? That's not what ha- That's not how it works. Don't, don't send anything here. No, that, we don't believe that. <laughs> but it just seemed a little suspect. <laughs> All right. I'd also like to thank Jimmy Routon earlier for the encouragement. As I came in, he saw I had a microphone on. He goes, oh, you're speaking again? <laughs> oh. I love, I love Jimmy, you know, and to be fair, I think it's because the last time I was up here, it went on for three hours, so we're, uh, we're not going to do that. So we do have a treat for you today, and this was a day Gary was very much hopeful uh, to be a part of, and the reason why it's a treat is you're going to meet a dear friend of Gary and Bev's, and good friend of our church and many in this body, and as he, why don't we welcome him up, uh, Erez Bar-David is going to come join us. And, uh, yeah. As he's coming up, I'll let him introduce himself here and we'll get started. As he's coming up, I just want you to know that uh, when you, if you ever have the opportunity just to walk through Israel and the steps, if you have an opportunity to go there, if you're going to find a guide, then the guide to have is Erez Bar David, bar none. (laughs) That was terrible. You told me to say that, you know. (laughs) That's not true. Also now, Erez is uh, almost fully Texan. Uh, and and we'll, we want to recognize this because this week, along with our Ukrainian friends, our, fr- our Ukrainian partners are still here this week. They came and uh, celebrated with us. Uh, they, they uh, have celebrated with us and uh, been with us since Gary's memorial and joined together. And so they are real Texans because this week they went and shot guns. <laughs> Now, this is, this is not political, okay? This is a, I mean, they went to a safe place in a range, and they were, you know, uh, legally and lawfully uh, discharging firearms, which is good, because that's legal talk. But here's what I found out. No, so Erez is a trained uh, military man. I, I think, what, what, were you a sniper? Yeah. Okay, so just, everybody, we're safe, we're good. <laughs> but what we didn't know is our friends from Ukraine, you know, they all, uh, the other countries, the mandatory military service, and they had served in the army also, in the Russian army, when they were part of the Soviet Union. And I had heard, you know, we'd known what their stories were. Oh, I'm a builder, and oh, I'm a cook. Well, let me tell you what we found out uh, from the range. They all go to the range, and they pull out, was a 45 Springfield, and uh, they, they're shooting at the target. And uh, I think two of them had like, like 10 rounds center mass, you know. you know. Anybody know what that means? Like they didn't miss and they didn't miss for real. So what I want you to know is like, I think that's kind of Russian code. I don't know what they mean by cook in their army, but <laughs> when you meet a Russian soldier, he says to them a cook, just be careful, be careful. 
they're truly, uh, they have protected us and that's great. So you're a, you're a Texan now yeah. and you've shot guns and you've gone to a Longhorn game. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and we'll share your experiences at least the last few days and we'll get started. Yeah, well, I'm so excited to be here. This is really uh, something that I've been looking forward to for a long time. My name is uh, Erez, Erez Bar David, and I come from Jerusalem, uh, just a few miles north of the city. And uh, married two children, two kids, a son and a daughter, who uh, are growing up. In fact, speaking of the military, they have just completed their uh, military service, both of them. Because in Israel, it's mandatory. Before you can go to college, you have to uh, serve your country for several years. And so they had just completed their service, and I'm very proud of them. I think there are great benefits in that, too. <laughs> Anyways, um, it is a privilege uh, to be here and um, just to see all the uh, faces. I know so many that have been on the uh, tours. I've been working as a guide for the last, uh, oh, something like 25 years now. Mm. And this is how I came to know TBC and uh, Gary and Bev and many others. And part of uh, bringing Eros here was also to uh, possibly go to the game last night. And you were able to go do that. I think we have a slide of that now. We didn't have, look, look what's going on here. <laughs> so you got to explain that, brother. I don't know what that means. I'm sure that most of you are thinking, what's wrong in this picture, right? <laughs> LSU cap and Texas Longhorns shirt. And so um, I've been really looking forward, been looking forward to this. Uh, Gary talked about that and uh, he was supposed to be with us uh, yesterday. And this was my very first uh, American football uh, game ever, live. And so um, I thought to myself, hey, you know, if, if I'm there, you know, part of Gary will be with me as well. And so I wore the uh, LSU cap, uh, which, by the way, did not go unnoticed. <laughs> well, it, it seems like you're a little confused. I mean, you got the orange shirt. Where'd you get that, by the way? I'm not sure where you found that, you know. Oh, it was one of the stores here. Okay, sorry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, he got me into, you know, Almost, to some trouble, almost. And so as we were sitting there, you can see the whole, the whole bunch, you know, there was this guy in the back, perhaps you can even see him there, maybe uh, Which three, guy four is rows, it? Yeah. yeah, let's see, anyways. And all of a sudden, now my, my cap was actually, you know, kind of turned around, you can see the LSU, and, and uh, I just hear this guy, and he keeps calling, you know, hey you, hey you, the LSA, you know, cap, hey you, hey you, hey you. And then eventually I realized he was actually talking to me and, and <laughs> I turn around and I see this guy and he's like, you know, what's wrong with you, man? You know, if you, if you need a cap, you know, I have one for you, you know. And friendly Texas fan. Very friendly, yeah. <laughs> and so I, I told him, you know, um, it's not that. It's just that, uh, excuse me, that emotions. Um, this is in memory of a dear friend of mine that just left us and is now in heaven. And that kind of shut him up. <laughs> <laughs> well, what do you say to that, yeah? So even now, Gary is witnessing to all of University of Texas over there. Thank <laughs> Lord knows we need it. So thank you for that. So great experience, huh? A little tired? 
little tired, but uh, that was quite a thing. <laughs> yeah. Quite so sure. today, uh, we have, since we have a professional tour guide, and, and, and so what I'd like to do before we get started is, who has been to Israel? Raise your hand and look around. Everybody look around. Look at this. Okay, now keep them up because I'm going to ask, so who has been to Israel with Erez as your tour guide? Look at that. So this is... This is going to be, first of all, a great memory for y'all, uh, and you know, you'll see that in a minute, but just the reason why it's really special is really uh, Gary and Bev started as a ministry uh, for us as a church so that they would lead us to go. Our middle name is Bible, Temple Bible Church, and the, the Bible was written about a story that occurred in this land and continues to have effect throughout the world and to have it come alive in a way even more than just studying but have it come alive to be in the land and also be led by someone a Jewish man a Jewish man of faith as you walk those things is quite the blessing and today we're going to give you a little taste of that it's kind of a commercial okay because <laughs> uh, you know pray if that one day maybe God will make a way and be a part and if you're ever there certainly you need to have areas and we'll continue on that ministry we'll talk about that as time goes by but we're going to continue on with that but it's been a blessing for our body and our church to see the land and hear from our brother through this and just hear about his heart so we're going to try to do that a little bit and we're going to try to do it in, in Gary fashion <laughs> which is uh, we're going to interview and let Eris talk but we're also going to alliterate so we have four P's. If you look at the back of your bulletin, we've outlined this thing, and we'll talk about this. We're going to have four P's, and we'll say, so the, the story of Abraham is in fact a story, but it's a story that's part of the larger story that starts in Genesis in the beginning, where God promises after the fall that he's going to make things right, and it's going to be through the offspring of Adam and Eve, and then we see God introduce himself once again along in this story through Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. And we've been traveling through that and we're kind of taking a pause with Erez because one way to remember the story is to kind of remember the geography and the context of the story. And we're gonna walk through that briefly today and, and, and the way that scripture presents it. There are many places Abraham traveled through because his call was to leave a place not knowing where he was going and just follow where God would tell him to go. And each step of the way, God would reveal more of himself to Abraham and speak to him and talk to him. And each step of the way, Abraham would recognize this. And we'll notice that through Genesis, Abraham builds four altars. Four altars. We've already traveled through a couple of those. We're going to revisit that. We'll travel through two more of those and then we'll talk about their meaning and we'll, talk, we'll share here from Erez about the meaning of this in his life. So let's start. Let's journey through this land and then uh, we're, we'll have Erez... Uh, give us some context here. Let's, let's get the lay of the land because the first altar is the one we heard about first where this is after Abraham has been called and he's come from Ur all the way up which would be modern day Turkey and has come down from the north following the call of God. And the first call, the first promise that uh, Abraham got, received was he was going to be made a great nation, that they're going to be, his descendants would be like the stars and the sand on the sea. And here in this place, in Genesis chapter 12, we hear that he's finally entering the land and it's a place called Shechem. And we're going to call this the altar of promise because that's where God once again renews his promise. He says, in this place, to your descendants, I will give this land. Now he knows where he's going, you see. And this is in a place called Shechem. So let's get the lay of the land and then we can talk about Shechem and its importance in scripture. 
Yeah, so we, we can see the first slide up there, which is um, a map that kind of focuses on the central part of the land, the land that was uh, known at the time of Abraham some 4,000 years ago as Canaan, the land of Canaan. We call it Israel today. Uh, bear in mind that um, Abraham was 75 years old when he left Haran to go to Canaan. So if you think that you're too old to join one of the Israel tours, you know, you better think again. <laughs> Um, and he would have come um, from modern-day um, Syria, essentially, um, following an ancient route, and, which you can also see there in the top right side of the map, um, over a mountain range called Gilead. And so this is a very famous mountain range, which is today situated to the east of Israel. You can also see the uh, Jordan Valley and how it's situated there between Gilead and Shechem. And um, the, um, uh, the arrow there uh, pointing to Shechem, you can see that it starts uh, right by a place called Adam. And this would have been the main gateway into the central part of the land at the time of Abraham. And so he would have gone into a region uh, which we call today Samaria, the word Samaria derives from the uh, word for to guard, shomer or shomerah, which basically means a, a guarded area. And um, we know, and you're going to see that in the next slide in a moment, that the city of Shechem, the first city that he saw in the land, was very well guarded by all these mountains around it. So we're going to kind of have a video tour, and you can walk us through that. Just uh get the lay of the land even further here. Yeah, so this is an overview of the, um, the Shechem region, which is situated in a valley. Uh, in fact, the camera is not now moving uh, from uh, the direction of, uh, of Abram, and, and he would have gone in that direction, uh, coming from the east and then heading towards the west. Uh, on either side of the city, you can see uh, a mountain. The one to the right is called Mount Abal, uh, which later became famous in the story of Joshua as uh, uh, the mountain of curse. And then the uh, other mountain to the left on the other side uh, is called Mount Gerizim, which also is related to the story of Joshua. Mm -hmm. Now, if you look more carefully right at the central part there, you see that there is like a clearing between these buildings. This is Tel Shechem, the ancient Old Testament site and this is where the city of Shechem would have been at. And so you see that it's not a very large site. In fact, most Old Testament cities were really tiny. Um, but this is the, uh, the city that is uh, mentioned in the Bible several times as the city of, uh, of Shechem. So that's a good thing to note. This becomes a, a place, it's the first time it's mentioned is here with Abraham's story. But he makes an altar there and the, the story of Abraham continues through the story of Jacob, the story of Joseph, the story of Joshua, even Moses brought Israel here to this place. If you remember before they were entering Canaan, which is what, what is being shown to Abraham, Moses brought Israel to this place to hear the blessings and the curses before they would enter land. And a call to be obedient, and what a better place to be than the altar there built by Abraham. And of course, just another side note, uh, of course, while we focus on the Abrahamic period, which is almost 4,000 years ago, um, it is also worth pointing out that uh, this is the location of uh, the well of uh, Jacob. Uh, this is where Jesus later on was to meet the Samaritan woman at the well in that very valley. Amazing. 
For all of you that have been there with uh, Era, as I was sharing, even now, when I hear his voice, when you go on the tour, you get these docents or these uh, earphones, and you're standing at these places. The video just doesn't do it justice. But when you're there, and if you guys have been there, you know what I mean. Eris is in your, in your ears, and you just hear him just like this, and he's speaking to you as you're watching these places, and you just kind of feel uh, the story come alive. And uh, then every now and then, Gary would blurt in something, and Mitter <laughs> would know. He had a plan too, but it worked out. But it was really great how they worked together. But to see it there, that's the lay of the land. And again, this is found in Genesis chapter 12 and uh, verse 6 where it reads, Abraham traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. And it's mentioned more than once in scripture. Important place. We'll talk about that. Next altar that is mentioned in scripture is really right after this deal, right after this part of the story, where it says in scripture, if you look at it, it says, and the Canaanites filled the land. So Abraham was pitching tents and living in tents, and he's been shown where God is going to take him, and he sees that it's full of Canaanites. And he comes to a place called Bethel, and he calls out to God. That's what it says in scripture. And it's a Hebrew word or phrase that really means worship. And we start tying the idea together of sacrifice sacrifice, worship, and prayer. And so we're calling this our altar of prayer. And uh, this is in Bethel. And Bethel is an important place as well. Yeah, I really want to draw everybody's attention again to the fact that this is a story of faith. This is really the, the most important aspect of the uh, Abraham story. And a lot of times we forget that, that he was a foreigner. He was basically a nomad, you know, would be wandering about. And obviously there was already... Um, all these uh, cities, um, some of them were very well fortified, like Shechem and others. And so um, from Shechem, and you can see the upper part there, uh, there's a curve, and he's actually now turning to the south. Instead of heading and continuing further west towards the uh, Mediterranean Sea, Abraham will follow arguably the most important highway across the land in his day, the road of the patriarchs, which would be compared to I-35 maybe. <laughs> and so, Loosely compared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's no wonder that when you look more closely at the map, you realize that many of the sites we read about in the Old Testament are situated along that highway. Okay, Bethel, Ai, uh, Jerusalem, Bethlehem, Hebron to the south, even Beersheba further south. You know, if you were to draw a line, you could actually connect the dots. And so from Shechem, he travels south across the land of Samaria and then would pitch his tent on the highway between uh, Bethel to the west of that highway and Ai or Ai further to the east, okay? Now it is there that he will build an altar, but it's also there that he and his relative Lot will go their separate ways. And as you all recall, the book of Genesis um, they were blessed abundantly. The problem was, again, the human character never changes, right? Not before long, their shepherds start, you know, fighting with each other. And so um, they, they decide to go their separate ways. And Abraham, like the good gentleman that he was, um, allowed um, Lot to, uh, to, you know, uh, take his first pick and basically choose where he was going to go. And now bear in mind that they were facing east. You know, when you think about Old Testament period, the entire orientation is aligned with the east, okay? The sun is rising the east, all those ancient civilizations. Even the ancient word in Hebrew for east is forward, kadima in Hebrew. 
and therefore they always refer to the sea as the hinder sea, the one you're with your back to the Mediterranean Sea. So um, in that story, um, there is the account about how they go their separate ways, and, and Abram tells him, well, if you turn left, meaning north, I will turn right, meaning south. If you turn south, I will turn north. I don't believe that Abram never intended, you know, his, law to, uh, his relative Lot to go to uh, the valley, but sure enough, as Lot lifted his eyes, he saw the lush valley, the Jordan Valley down there, um, and he decided to uh, basically, you know, uh, head over there, uh, and we all remember the horrible consequences uh, later on for his family. And so uh, Bethel, the house of God in Hebrew, uh, Beth is house, like Bethlehem, house of bread, uh, Beth Shemesh, the house of the sun, Bethel likewise would translate from the Hebrew as the house of God. Yeah. So you, you know that Bethel, just like Shechem, becomes a very important part of the story. Abraham being the first there, built an altar there his first time through Bethel, he builds an altar. He sees the land filled with Canaanites and he knows that this is the land that's his, but he's not really sure how God's gonna work that out. He hasn't gone to Egypt yet and received his wealth, but he first builds an altar there and he calls out to God. And we see sacrifice, worship, and prayer, an altar of prayer. And we're reminded that this is how the people of God learned of God through Abraham. Each step of the way, God's faithfulness being displayed to Abraham even more precisely. And then he goes to Egypt, and we heard last week the story of this, about he comes with such wealth. He and his brother, and it started causing conflict. It was conflict within them. And so the next altar, how they came out of Egypt, after they did the division in Beth, uh, Bethel again, was in Hebron. Another important note is if you want to find Bethel kind of referenced again in John when the disciples came and said, oh, we found the one, we found the one, and uh, Nathaniel, I think, was the one under the tree and didn't believe, and Jesus said, I saw it under the tree, and he goes, oh, Lord, my God, I'm paraphrasing scripture, forgive me, but he, and uh, Jesus says, now you believe, I'll show you greater things than this, you'll, I'll tell you the truth, you'll see angels descending, going up and down from heaven. It's a reference to the story of Jacob, which was Bethel, yeah? yeah? So here we are, it's very important, and this is God literally taking claim to his people in his land through Abraham, and that stems, and you'll find it in Jesus himself. Here's God, here's God with us, where God resides, Bethel. So they made a pact, and the next altar was at Hebron, and we're calling it the altar of peace. The altar of peace. Hebron is, again, the geography, or we're not gonna spend much time here because the, the, the division came amongst Bethel, but he built an altar here after that, an altar of peace in and, Hebron. And even today, there's a site there, the tomb of the patriarchs. If you recall, this is where mm. Abraham uh, buried his wife, mm -hmm. Sarah, and later on he himself was buried there as well as his uh, son Isaac and his grandson Jacob. So this is another, again, another commercial. You can go see it. They'll be right there where they walked, where they did these things, where they praised, and they called out to God. It's just a great reminder that God, the God that Abraham is coming to know, is not like the God of the pagans. Where he came from for Ur, they were probably moon and star worshipers and different things. They were worshiping objects, objects that were distant, that were not daily involved in their lives, that maybe didn't even care about them, but somehow had some control. But not the God that God was revealing to Abraham. This God was personal, this God was interacting, was the one true God, he wasn't distant, he did care, he was intimately involved in the daily affairs of Abraham and life, and he has a plan, 
and he's gonna accomplish it by and through his people. This is the distinctive of the Hebrew God, yeah, and this is what we are praising today. So the next promise, and this is the fourth altar build, it go, you fast forward, and it's the one that we're most familiar with all the way into Genesis. And uh, we're gonna call it the altar, if I can hit the right button. Altar of provision. And you can put just about any P you want there. Provision, the altar of the coming prince. We're gonna talk about this. The altar of provision, Genesis chapter 22. And this is the altar that he built uh, where, where he was called to sacrifice his own son, Isaac. Very important place. So walk us through that. Well, this is obviously one of the most recognized and important landmarks uh, around the world, not just in Israel. Um, You know that as Jerusalem, right? Uh, Mount Moriah, the place where the binding of Isaac took place. And so back in the day, again, we're thinking like 3,800 years ago approximately, Jerusalem was a tiny little city. It was essentially a Jebusite city which was no bigger than about 15 acres in size, that's all. You know, this is the size of cities you know, uh, at the time of, of Abraham. And uh, the general region of Jerusalem was known as the land of Moriah, okay? And so uh, Abraham um, is instructed to uh, take his son Isaac um, and he will bring him to that location and offer him as a sacrifice, right? And this was, of course, done in order to test his faith. Now, you've got to remember, you know, this is already after all these journeys, all these trials, all these hardships, you know. Um, he left, you know, Haran when he was 75 years old, and then later all the ordeal with Hagar and Ishmael and everything, and then... You know, he became again a father at the age of 100, you know, um, became a father to, to Isaac. And so um, this is really the, the context, you know, again, testing his faith. I mean, do you have enough faith to believe in God that, you know, he will take care of you and he will take care of the son, you know? And he brought him to a hilltop where, uh, as you can see in the picture, later on the uh, temples, Jewish temples were built and destroyed and nowadays... Um, in fact, for many centuries now, um, there's this monumental building known as the Dome of the Rock or the, uh, the Golden Dome. Now, this is arguably the most contested piece of real estate in the world mm-hmm. because uh, followers of the three major Abrahamic religions all cherish that uh, location. And so officially, uh, it is uh, an Islamic holy site, but of course, Jews also considered this to be really the, the holiest of, of sites, even today. And so, so if we, got, if we had the pleasure of coming down your guide, this is one of our favorite spots when you finally get to the old city and you see where the Dome of the Rock is and all the other sites there in the old city. So walk us through that and kind of give us a sense of what it's like to be there. Yeah, so basically, here's a picture that shows you the Temple Mount from uh, a bird's eye view. Uh, that's the most recognized and the most important, the holiest site in Jerusalem itself. Uh, bear in mind that uh, during the time of Abraham, Jerusalem wasn't even there. Jerusalem would have been, you know, just below the screen and the area that you can't see. But you can even see uh, down the bottom part there, there's an, an archaeological excavation. And so that would, area would have been to the north of the city of Jerusalem uh, in the day and age of Abraham. Of course, this would have been the setting 
of the meeting between Abraham and the king, uh, the Canaanite king of Salem, um, uh, Melchizedek, right? And so the whole episode actually revolves around that area. Now the area to the north, that hill, well, you can hardly recognize that it's a hill now, but trust me, there was a hill there before uh, they, they you know, started building on top. That was the, the site of the uh, offering of Isaac, according to the Jewish tradition. And you see the Dome of the Rock, which is right there in the center on top. Uh, this is, would be really the high point of that hill. And this is also later on the place that David purchased. And later on, his son um, Solomon uh, was going to build the first temple to the Lord. That temple, of course, was destroyed, was rebuilt later on, uh, you know, several centuries later. And then um, what you see, the, the outer margins of that compound, that, that huge area there, the kind of square rectangular structure, this was actually something that was built closer to the time of Christ by King Herod the Great. So you see the massive retaining walls around uh, that plaza, uh, the southern retaining wall down to you know, the bottom, and then the eastern retaining wall, and most importantly, along the western side there uh, is the famous western wall, which is essentially the western retaining wall of uh, the second temple. And so this was in fact the temple that Jesus was most familiar with, but of course none of that was there during the time of Abraham. So this is a, a very famous site, as he said, probably the most contested piece of real estate even now, because what happened in this time, even before this was built, this is Abraham's altar. And what happened there is a part of our story that, that has come true for us. And I think it'd be only fitting that we come to a close as we realize what this story is about and what it was pointing to. It says in Hebrews, when they spoke of Abraham in the book of Hebrews, it says, by faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. He had received the promises, yet he, he was ready to offer up his only son. God had told him, through Isaac, descendants will carry on your name. And he, that is Abraham, reasoned that God could even raise him from the dead. And in a sense, he received him back from the dead. The faith of Abraham, that by this point in his journey, whatever the struggles he had, by this point in his journey, you see, just before he was called to bind Isaac and offer him as a sacrifice, God renewed his promise and became even more specific just before this part of the story. And he said, it's going to be through Isaac that the promise of descendants will be fulfilled. So when God then, in the very next step, says, now take him up and offer him to me on an altar, you can imagine the faith it took to do this, but by now, God had revealed himself in such a way, made himself known to Abraham in such a way that Abraham's mind, according to the author of Hebrews, was, well, he'll raise him from the dead. He'll raise him from the dead. The first, maybe the first notion, or one of the first notions of resurrection. To imagine now in Abraham's life that he had come to know the power and the mercy of God in such a way that all things were possible, that if God made a promise, he would keep it. Even if he says sacrifice, even if he says give this thing back to me, he'll make a way. And of course we know that the faith of Abraham is dis uh, displayed here, but not only that, the faithfulness of God, as Mark and the, uh, Mark and the uh, team just saying. 
Behold the faithfulness of God. He keeps his promises. You obey, we follow, and God is faithful. He is righteous. He keeps his promises. And in that moment, in that moment of faith for Abraham, he finds a faithfulness of God and that a perfect sacrifice is provided instead in his place, in place of his son. And we know that this story is pointing to the sacrifice of Jesus because it's mentioned in Paul's epistles, it's mentioned in the gospels. At this place, at this time, before the buildings were built there, Abraham marked a spot and God displayed and showed us a way. It was hard to imagine how he's going to keep his promise, but a way to Jesus that if you keep reading the story, you'll find it so clearly in Jesus. He's our Lord and King. And sitting next to me is a Jewish man <laughs> who loves Jesus. That's kind of strange. What's going on there? You know? It, it so is, yeah. He, uh, I want you to share a little bit about your faith, and, and we'll, we'll finish up. Yeah, so as you can imagine, even before wearing the uh, LSU cap, um, for many years I've been considered as a kind of a strange bird in Israel. <laughs> um, and um, I belong to a very small yet growing community of Jews, uh, Jewish people, you know, Jewish backgrounds. Uh, who have come to know the true Savior, the true Lord, you know, which uh, came to atone for their sin first and foremost, and then the rest of humanity, but he came to the Jews first, and, uh, you know, suddenly this realization uh, sets in that, yes, you know, this is the one of whom the prophets of the old have spoken about. Um, you know, some take that for granted, but, you know, you need to understand that uh, back in 1948, there were as few as 100 Jewish believers in what was known back then as Palestine. And when my own grandfather uh, came to the land in the late 1920s from Europe, uh, there were very few. There were so few um, and that nobody really knew much about them. Uh, but again, I think that the theme really uh, coincides with, with the story of Abraham, by faith, right? God rewards faith. You remember the story about the woman who was suffering from hemorrhage, right, for 12 years, and Jesus, you know, was walking there in Capernaum, and, and she touched the hem of his garment, and she was healed, and he said, you know, your faith has made you well. I believe that there's a great reward, you know, for those who walk by faith. And so, me personally, and the story of my, my family, um, it was through faith that they came to the land, which was the harder thing to do uh, back then. Easier thing would have been to immigrate to the States or, um, you know, uh, a better country, you know, but um, they did that because they felt very strongly, uh, my grandparents, that God was calling them to, to go there. And um, I'm so glad to say that um, today we have, you know, the extended family. I have at least 40 first cousins. And they're mm -hmm. all walking with the Lord, which is really a blessing. Amen. So, Amen. so blessing is generational, you know. Mm -hmm. You can really see the blessing, this chain of blessing, you know. See, we're, we're, we're just getting after those grandparents yeah, today. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. You live in the legacy of your grandfather, and at the time he entered Israel, was it even Israel? I mean, it, was, it wasn't even Israel. It was, you know... You know, that, that strange place in, in Asia with the sand dunes and the camels, you know, and, mm -hmm. and that. Uh, in fact, his, his parents thought that he, he, you know, has gone insane, you know. They, they didn't really understand what happened. Um, but yeah, uh, you can really see the fulfillment of promises and how God is true to his promises, you know. Uh, assembling the Jewish people again, you know, bring them back to their historical homeland. And I believe that 
um, there are great things to come. Amen. So just kind of elaborate on that because when your grandfather came into this land, uh, how many Christians would there have been, would he have found? Very few. He was one of the very first ones and later on he started a congregation. In fact, he was arguably, possibly, you know, the first pastor Hmm. in in Israel. (laughs) And so, yeah. And now... You're a part of a church, a community. We're part of a community. Uh, I myself live in a, a very unique community of believers. Um, there's no other community like, like ours. You know, mm-hmm. It's really considered the hub of the uh, body of Christ in, in Israel. And it's a small community right outside of Jerusalem. So there's a little over 50 families now, mm-hmm. uh, several hundreds of people. And um, you know, uh, they're all followers of Yeshua. You know, every single one of those families. And the church is still, as you have shared with us this week, the church in Israel is still young. It's, it's, it's like a little baby. So we're going to be praying for you and your church. In fact, most of the believers, Jewish believers in Israel, are first-generation mm. believers. Mm. And um, unlike many other parts of the world, you know, Christian countries, you know, they, they know nothing about this, you know. Uh, before they come to faith. You know, mm-hmm. they, they, they don't have any other examples. You know, it's just brand new to them. And you, you use the term uh, on purpose, intentionally, messianic, mm-hmm. uh, for, to describe your congregation and your church. Uh, why is that? Why is that important? I think from the very beginning, um, we were very careful not to kind of put ourselves in a box. Mm-hmm. Um, because what most people outside of Israel don't understand, Jewish people of course would relate to that right away, is that um, when, when a Jewish person hears the name of Christ or Christianity, uh, immediately what comes to mind is you know, Spanish Inquisition mm-hmm. and all those you know, horrors and things that you know, have been perpetrated you know, under the banner of Christianity. And so they have a very, very twisted uh, and negative idea of what Christianity is all about. And so uh, it is very important for us, you know, not to use, in a way, the wrong terminology, you know, that, that might, you know, become a stumbling block to mm-hmm. people who otherwise would have listened, you know. And so uh, we prefer the term Messianic Jews also in the sense that, you know, people who don't know us when they hear the term even, they understand that we're still Jewish, you know. Mm-hmm. It's not that we've been robbed away by our identity. By the con- on the contrary, we were now considering ourselves as completed Jews. Amen. Amen. And you're pointing to the one they're looking for, the Messiah. Absolutely. Jesus yeah. of God. And what a, what a great blessing it is. So let's thank Erez for the... Oh, wait, wait, time out. Don't do that yet. <laughs> I got ahead of myself. I know you want to take some time and share uh, some things. You and Gary and Bev have been dear, great friends. And I want you to take a little time and share a little bit about that and your walk with him, and then we'll move forward. Yeah, um, we, we, we're going a long way to get back together and um, <laughs> back to the first tour of Israel. I remember Gary and Bev and the other team, you know, when they came out, you know, through the gate there, the Tel Aviv terminal, um, I looked at, at Gary, you know, and I thought to myself, man, you know, big, bold guy, you know, is the man after my own heart. You know, we're we're going <laughs> to get along so well together. And we sure did. Uh, this has been a, a long and wonderful relationship. You know, I, I love and still love Gary as, as a dear brother. 
And um, I know that he's alive. Amen. He is alive. Well, now let's thank Eris for, he's been here three services. He's been a great blessing. And uh, before, before we pray, I just, want you to, I just want you to know this Jesus we're talking about. Many of us here know him. It's my prayer that today your, your walk with him would grow even further, that you would realize the story and the foundation that we're living on through our patriarchs and our brothers and sisters that have gone before us, Abraham and Sarah, and their faith in Jesus Christ as they pointed to the one true Savior, Jesus Christ. Those of you who know Jesus, I pray that your faith would be strengthened and emboldened because the story goes on, it goes on through you, living altars, the presence of God as we demonstrate his love and his grace in the world. Now, if you don't know who we're talking about, there's some around right next to you. Hey, what's the story you're talking about? It's a wonderful story. If you're looking for the answers, for what this story says, which is peace, salvation, and grace. You can find Jesus Christ here today amongst your friends. If you want to know more about him, please come forward or talk or ask one of your friends, maybe the friend that brought you here. Tell me about Jesus and the story of redemption through him. Okay, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for Erez's heart, how you've captured the best for yourself. Once again, you've done that, the many talents and his knowledge and his faith that is on display in this land, this land that you granted your people. And Father, we thank you for his heart for you that somehow you've captured him in the midst of this. You've made him your own. Protect his family. Give them grace. Give them boldness and strength. Always provide a way for us to be together as his family here in temple and in church that we could visit one another, be together in, in the Lord. And Father, thank you so much for the truth that is pointed to in these scriptures and these altars that Abraham built, that you are known by your love, you're known by your righteousness, you're known by your promise keeping, and you're known most of all, and how you've kept your promise through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen, amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. All right.